Thank you for calling Gaywire. Your call is very important to us. Press 1 for fourth wave feminism. Press 2 for a strangely in-depth discussion about where the worms have gone. Press 3 for... You have chosen option 3. Please stay on the line. Thank you for choosing option 3. You've reached Gaywire, where everything's at least a little bit queer. My name is Shane Giles, and my pronouns are they, them. And my name is Terrence Adams, and my pronouns are he and they. This week on Gaywire, we have another local musician we're speaking with. But before we get to that, let's take a minute to just decompress from this last week. Absolutely. So much has happened between the return to school and both of us moving. It's been pretty hectic. So how are you, Shane? How's dorm life? You know, it's it's interesting. It's not what I was expecting. Um, it took a couple of days, but I very much got used to the new space. Uh, one of the main things that I'm very glad has happened is I have met some very like-minded people, a lot of he-theys, a lot of they-thems, a lot of they-zees. Uh, it's been very interesting, and I'm really looking forward to meeting even more queer folk as this semester continues. What about you, Terrence? Um, the return to campus, in-person classes are pretty overwhelming. I, I thought that they would be a little more spread out, that as they told us, they would be putting smaller classes in bigger classrooms, but we're packed in there like sardines as normal. So hmm. it's a little, little hectic, but you know, it's also nice mm -hmm. to get back in the routine. Yes. One thing we did manage to make time for this past Friday is we took a group trip down to Pride Corner on White Ave to see what's going on, meet up with some folks and see what, you know, I've forgotten what people say. See what they're up to. <laughs> to see what's going on and to, yeah, see what, see what folks are up to. Uh, it was a really good time. We got to meet a lot of excellent people. They got to meet Blue. Yes, my golden retriever. He's currently eating my sock right now, which is making hosting very, very convenient and easy for me. Okay, but anyways, y'all don't want to hear about us, the silly little hosts of Gaywire. So let's turn back to today's guest, Emmett Michael. Okay, so on today's show, our Gaywire reporter, Terrence Adams... That's is me. speaking with Emmett Michael, a folk singer slash gardener from right here in Edmonton, who dabbles in storytelling and spiritual exploration about all these things and more. Emmett's journey, like many, had its highs and lows, and he takes us with him through that journey in this interview. Let's give it a listen. I do want to give folks a quick content warning for this interview as we do touch on some fairly heavy topics. So if things like self-harm, suicide, addiction um, are things that are triggering or unpleasant for you to listen, please take care of your ears and your brains. But with that out of the way, let's hear from Emmett Michael. Yeah, absolutely. My full name is Emmett Michael and my pronouns are he, him. Yeah, sure. So uh, I currently am working as a full-time gardener, but obviously usually uh, my main gig is doing music. 
I consider myself very singer-songwriter. Uh, I play with the band often too. It's more like alternative rock type music. Uh, and my songs span from various topics about my personal life, including transitioning from female to male, uh, overcoming addiction and mental health, and um, coming to terms with uh, faith and religion and what that means. Um, how long have you been uh, playing music? I started playing music when I was about 12 or 13. Uh, and I started singing in church with my mom. That was sort of my first introduction to music. Um, and I knew that I wanted to sing on stage just like her. And so I started learning guitar around that time. And uh, I didn't really start to play my original songs until I was in my teen years, though, and starting to kind of um, come to terms with who I was and feel comfortable expressing that. So how would you say that faith or your trans identity influences your music? Yeah, uh, in every way. Um, I think that for me, like, as I said, a lot of like my music is a way that I express myself in a way that I wasn't really able to do so growing up uh, a lot due in part because I was raised in a faith background and my community was very religious and all I knew growing up was that there was such a thing as being gay and it was considered to be bad and uh, I, I knew that there was something different about me from a young age but I didn't even have the language to really express how that was and so I got really used to hiding and in that period of time I did a lot of writing. And uh, as I said, like I didn't actually start to perform the songs that I'd written for a very, very long time because religion had kind of made me afraid to express myself in that way. And I went down a really dark path for a long time where I was uh, very regularly drinking to excess and using drugs all the time as a means of coping. And so that sort of put music on the back burner for me too. But it wasn't until uh, I got to rehab and all the drugs were gone and I had all these feelings uh, that I didn't know how to deal with because I was so used to coping that way. And uh, I turned to music and I started really just writing songs, playing a lot of guitar. And uh, it was during that process I was finally able to come out as trans too. And I think that that really helped me to be able to get to a place where I was like, okay, like I want to use music to express how I'm feeling and I hope that it resonates with other people. And yeah, I've, yeah, I haven't stopped doing that since. Yeah. Um, so how, how do you want listeners to feel when they hear your music? I think for me, uh, the most important, uh, I guess, sort of like goal that I've had is just to be able to have people listen to my songs and hear their story in them. I know that it was really powerful for me to listen to artists and really like resonate with what they were saying, to feel like I wasn't the only one in the world that felt the way that I do. Um, I think that that's really huge uh, just for people to be able to feel connected, not only to me, but to themselves and to know that their stories and experiences are are just as valid. How did you know that you were ready to tell the stories that you do? Yeah, I think I don't know that I ever <laughs> felt like I was ready. And it's funny because I've been doing music for a few years now and performing for a few years. And I still like I don't know if I've ever felt that I'm in a place to feel ready. But I think it was just like an acceptance of this is what I want. And even though it's terrifying, I'm going to do it. Um, because every time I have uh, stepped into that kind of uncharted territory 
I've always reaped really great rewards from that, whether it be like um, learning something new about myself or connecting to to somebody else. Would you mind talking a little bit more about uh, your transition and how that affected your music? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I so I played a lot of music in church growing up um, before I came out and transitioned or even really thought about doing so. And uh, I think that all sort of stopped for me when I moved from my uh, very small Christian school to a public high school. And I, this these doors were just like opened up and I realized that there was this world that I didn't really know about and I identified with right away. And um, for me, that was really relieving, but also really scary. It was kind of like culture shock in a way. And uh, I think I wasn't really able to throw myself into music the way that I wanted to because I was so distracted with um, coming to terms with who I was, uh, the loneliness, um, all of the pain that I was feeling. And so I think it was really easy for me to stop caring about things like just in general I really struggled like mental health wise and I think like that goes for a lot of people when they first come out especially like in a religious family or before they come out that's sort of like the darkest period where you just kind of lose your will to do the things that you're passionate about uh and like I said like I went through a period of really heavy addiction for a while and so I I obviously wasn't doing any music in that period and then when I got to rehab and I started um, playing again, I think that that was like really the thing that allowed me to realize, okay, like I'm trans and like really admit it to myself. Cause I always knew that deep down, but like to really say that to myself and to say to a therapist also really helped <laughs> and um, like going through that process surrounded by professionals in this bubble um, where I was unaffected by like family or friends from the outside world being there. And, uh, I was able to like come out to my family over the phone from treatment. And I think that from that point on, as I got more comfortable with myself, the more I felt comfortable as I was, the more I felt comfortable sharing my music with the world because music is such an integral part of my identity and how I communicate my story and all of that personal stuff. Uh, and so I think that initially, like my transness really sort of held me back because I had so many fears surrounding that of what people would think, especially like when my voice was first changing, I was very conscious of like the way that I sang. And so there's a period of time where I was just like, I'm just not going to sing like even after um, I was starting to feel more comfortable. And um, yeah, so that was like also like hitting puberty again when you're trying to sing is a horrible thing. <laughs> um, 10 oh, out of 10 yeah, don't uh, recommend. Just did it. Um, yeah. Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. No, not my favorite thing. I'm really glad I'm like, I feel like I've just reached the end of that period and I've settled into like a new voice that I feel like is very myself and it really just like what it comes down to is my music is a reflection of how I feel about myself and so it's going to be better um, and I'm going to be able to share more and to be more open and vulnerable with my lyrics the more I'm taking care of my mental well-being and uh, like being really tuned into who am I and letting go of ideas of like how others perceive me and just allowing myself to exist as I am. Uh. Um, how, how would you say you're doing with balancing like genuine storytelling with also the crushing weight of late stage capitalism and the need to commodify everything you do? Yeah, uh, that is a, a very good question. And it's something that I've done a lot of 
pondering on, uh, especially this last year. Uh, I was in an artist development course that was very like marketing focused. And that was an area that I hadn't really dived into before, but felt like I was lacking in and needed to brush up on. And it was a lot of like, this is how you make a pitch. This is how you convert people into fans. And a lot of it for me was just like, but I don't want to have to be fake in order to like trick people into liking me. And that's, that was a really hard thing because like music is a passion of mine, of course, and um, it allows me to be connected to other people, but it's also how I make my living and um, kind of that like balance, like anything else. But I think it's, it's more complicated because when you're an artist, so much of who you are in your um, your personality and all of that is wrapped up in what you're doing as a career. And so I think it's very easy to lose yourself and to, um, like put the weight of, um, like your self-worth in, in what you're doing. And I think that that's sort of a dangerous point to be in. And I reached a point where I was like, I don't want to do this artist development course because to me it feels a little bit inauthentic to where I'm at and what I want to do. And I like, I'm not knocking that. I think that's like a really important aspect of the music business because it is a business. But for me, I've sort of just adopted the idea of as long as I am like working as hard as I'm capable of right now and putting myself out there as me authentically, there are going to be people in the world who um, relate to that. And they see that, uh, like, like people can sniff out whether or not you're being authentic and, uh, they tend to gravitate towards people who are being genuine. And, um, I think that like, I would rather be loved by a small few than liked by many. And so I'm trying to let that obsession of like, I need to broaden my audience. And cause you know, like I can make a decent living on a small audience that loves my music. And that's way more important to me than having like a massive audience that's like, oh yeah, this guy's kind of cool, you know? Yeah. So. Very, very articulate. Very well, well said. Um, oh, so uh, talking a little bit more about your music, could we talk about a specific song and that's specifically God Shaped Hole, um, which came out about yeah. six-ish months, months ago. Oh my goodness. Six-ish right. months yep. ago. <laughs> could you just give a brief overview about what, what the song is about first off? Absolutely. Yeah. So I wrote God Shaped Hole. Oh man, it's probably like three years ago now, which is crazy. Um, it was my first song um, that I wrote about my experience as a queer person in the church. And for me, like, it was about like my wrestling with being told my whole life that God is love and, and he accepts us no matter what, except for if you're X, Y, Z. And uh, I had a really hard time with that because to me, like when you break down, I mean, it's ridiculous to try and break down the meaning of love, but like when, when you really look at love in its purest form, uh, I, I don't think that there should ever be conditions for that. And it was really hard for me to feel connected to what I called God at the time and to feel like there were conditions there. Um, and especially because it was this thing about me that was just me uh, and there's nothing I could do to change it. No matter how hard I prayed, the gay was not going to go away. And uh, I think... For me, like what I realized was whatever whatever's out there, um, I like to call it the divine or the creator, does love and accept us as we are. But the church is made up of human beings and it's an institution and people are not always great at 
loving because we're not perfect. Um, and obviously there's a lot of work to be done there. And so this song was really just like a crying out of this is what unconditional love means. I believe that I'm loved by this higher being and I'm calling on the church to do the same. Yeah. Did you learn anything while you were writing that? Yeah, I learned that I hadn't done as much healing as I thought I did. Um, I think that it was really easy for me to, once I had transitioned and worked through some mental health stuff and overcome my addiction, it was very easy for me to be like, okay, I'm good now. Um, but every time I like conquer an aspect of something that I've been through uh, or of myself, it's like it unearths this new layer of stuff, um, which is normal and very human. That's just life. <laughs> um, for me, it as of recently, it's been like, okay, I actually have like no idea what the hell I believe. And uh, I, I don't know like what theology is accurate, what I've been brainwashed to believe, um, what I'm still unlearning, uh, if how much or little I want to be involved with religion. Um, what does my spirituality look like? Just like this realization of like, I am so lost. Um, but also like after releasing God shaped hole, I had the pleasure of like meeting a lot of people online who were like, Hey, me too. Like I I've been through this too. And, um, hearing all these different stories where people had been through the same things and whether or not they left the church, stayed with the church, um, like changed their lives completely or not, um, like that core and that pain was the same and we resonated. Um, and that for me was like the coolest part was like realizing in the process of writing and putting out that song that I wasn't the only one that felt the way that I do. Yeah, finding finding some some community there. Yes, yeah. yes not only is music one of your areas of interest, but you also have a, uh, an Instagram live series going on divinely guided. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So I just did my first episode of that and it's kind of like, um, I'm playing it by ear right now, but basically the general idea of divinely guided is I'm hosting conversations with, uh, whoever wants to talk, um, about, people's personal experiences and what they believe currently around religion, spirituality, and all that. In every episode, I go into a conversation uh, with a person about how they were raised, what they were raised to believe, um, how that's impacted what they believe now, what are their spiritual practices now, if any. And um, we just like dive into all the, the meat within that. And uh, I think for me, like, I've been a place of sort of like spiritual wandering and trying to figure out after removing all of the rubble of like religion and toxic theology of like, what do I believe? What do I want to hold on to? What do I want to let go of? And I think that the best way to learn is to have conversations with other people. Uh, and so I have a whole roster of people from various backgrounds. One's like an ex-Mormon, one identifies as a witch, um, queer Christian, like various different faith backgrounds um, or lack thereof. And uh, I'm just going to have open and honest conversations with these people um, about these topics that, quite frankly, aren't talked about a lot uh, with people who have different views. And so I think it's going to be very, very cool. I invite people to ask questions on the Instagram live as it's happening so they can be involved, too. Uh, and I'm just like really excited to see what ah. comes of it. So what was the trigger that that like finally pushed you to to start Divinely Guided? 
Uh, actually, so I had um, my very first tarot reading. And um, that for me was like uh, something I never thought that I would do because of my upbringing. And uh, I had to do a lot of like unpacking because all my life I was told like mystic stuff and whatever were like super not allowed and basically of the devil. And so that was like always in the back of my mind because um, that's just what I was raised to believe. And so going into the situation, I was still like very on guard, but I had this, um, tarot reading with this really, really wonderful, um, friend that I had the pleasure of meeting this past year. And basically in the reading, so bear in mind, I went into this being super skeptical. I was like, this is not a thing, like whatever. And then like five seconds in, I started crying and I was just like, it reminded me of when I was in church feeling like in moments where I actually felt connected to a higher power where I would just like get emotional. And I felt like some sort of presence there. And I had that same feeling, but in a very different medium. And so for me, that's like, whoa, this is real. Um, and, and we went through the reading and basically I went into it being like, give me some guidance around spirituality. Cause I don't know like what the hell I'm doing. And basically she said, I want you to know that wherever you're at right now, that you are divinely guided. And that was, that was, that was the term that she used. Um, and it was so funny because in my head, and this, she didn't know me very well before this at all. She didn't really know where I was at. So that said a lot too. And it, I was in my head thinking like, what if I'm wandering from God and he hates me for want for like wandering from him. And maybe I'm just like lost. And in that moment, I realized like, and she reiterated to me, the place that you're at now, your wanderings and ponderings and moving away is divinely guided. Like God, whatever you want to call it is with you in that process. Um, and that for me was just like, like, I'm going to get it tattooed on my body somewhere divinely guided. It's just like, over and over again, those words just kept popping into my head. And then I was like, I should have the series where I talk about this with other people. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's, that's a wonderful story. Um, I recently saw a, uh, I got a tarot reading and they're, they're fantastic. Sweet. Totally. Yeah. I think I'll do oh, a lot yeah. more dabbling. <laughs> um, you spoke the, uh, about tattoos a little bit. And I see that you have a couple could you tell us a little bit about those? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my most recent one, and this is actually a really cool story. Um, so it's a big moth across my chest. And uh, I also use a moth as my like graphic for all my music stuff. And the reason being because it represents an evolution, a metamorphosis. Uh, and for me, that could mean a, a number of things. Obviously, my transition, one of them overcoming addiction and and that whole journey, spiritual journey now. Um, and so I, I wanted to have that tattooed on my chest, particularly because I had had a top surgery that was botched. Um, I wasn't given proper aftercare instructions and, um, basically my nipples fell off and, uh, there were like big gaping scar tissue holes in my body from where they used to be. And I was like super devastated because you just like, I got so excited obviously to like be able to walk around without a shirt on finally in public. And I had been on a waiting list for years and I just felt 
uh, like so ashamed of the way that I looked. And I um, had the choice of getting another surgery or just getting a tattoo cover up. And I was like, I don't want to go through surgery again, just to have it probably still not look the way I want it to. And I'm a big fan of like artwork and tattoos. And um, so I was like, screw it, let's do it. Um, and I saved up some money, reached out to a couple of tattoo artists. And um, this woman got back to me. I told her my whole story. Uh, about what had happened and um, she was like yeah sure let's do it and so we met up uh, we did two days back to back which was insane looking back at it it was a, it was a lot of hours of tattooing five hours oh every God. day too so she did like yeah it was brutal she, she did one half the one day and then the next day she did the other half and uh, so we did the first half we had a really great chat uh, I talked to her in detail about all the stuff and then the next day we finished the tattoo and I go to pay, it's like a $600 bill. And she says, um, so I talked to my husband last night and we, I don't want you to pay for this. This is on us for everything that you've gone through. And she started tearing up. So then I, like I started crying and then we just hugged and it was just like this really special moment where, uh, yeah, it was, it was just really amazing when things like that happen between basically strangers. Um, and she didn't have to do that for me, obviously. Uh, and that's a lot of money. Like that's a day's work for her, but yeah, it's like a moment I'll never forget. And something that I, it, it's so cool to be able to like wear that on my body. Uh, somebody's kindness. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. And then, yeah, I have um, a tree on my arm. I got that. That was one of my first ones I got to cover up some self-harm scars that I had. Um, and for me, like that, I mean, it's another cliche, but it represents like growth and new seasons of life. Um, my very first tattoo was an anchor um, that I got in Las Vegas when I was 17 years old. I made my dad pay for it. And uh, it literally the story behind it is I thought it was cool and edgy because I was a 17 year old. So, yeah. <laughs> so is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I just put out a full length album, my very first full length album this past May 28th. And so um, I'd be super stoked if people wanted to listen to it. Uh, it highlights my journey uh, of going through love and loss and transitioning and reckoning with faith, addiction, and all of those really fun things. Um, and I also am having an official album release party finally um, this October 8th at Festival Place in Sherwood Park, and that's at 7.30. Uh, there are tickets available on uh, the Festival Place Arts Theatre website. Um, and so I would super love to, to have people come out and see that show. It's going to be my biggest show that I've ever had uh, up to this point, like huge theater space. Uh, I'm putting together like a lot of production for it. I'm playing with my full band. Uh, and so yeah, I'd be super stoked to have a lot of people there and to be able to meet folks after as well. Um, I definitely love to stick around and chat with people. So yeah. Awesome. That would be um, awesome. What's your new album called? I hope you're home. And why did you name it that? Yeah. So, um, I, so for me, it was a culmination of like, to me, home is of course, like your surroundings, your environment and feeling at ease in that way, but also like a sense of home as you are in your skin. And, uh, I had a friend of mine, um, and there's a song on the album, the title track, I hope you're home. That is about this particular, um, thing but I had a friend of mine who uh died by suicide in October 2018 
And he um, was also trans and struggling with a lot of the same things that I was. And so it hit me really, really hard. And uh, I wasn't able to write about it the way that I wrote about so many other difficult things. Uh, for a year, I kept trying to write a song about it and it just wouldn't come out. And then finally I was able to write this song, I Hope You're Home. And to me, it was important to name the whole album after that because I felt like all of these songs represented how I was able to come to a place where I finally felt home in my body as I am. Um, and just like that hope that other people um, are able to get to the, that point too, so that their story doesn't have to end. Um, so yeah. yeah. Are there any other parts of the songs off the album you'd like to tell us a little bit more about? Sure. Um, so my most recent music video is for a song called Devotion. And uh, I wrote it about uh, my relationship with my dad. Um, and in the music video, uh, I thought it would be cool to be able to, I mean, for me, it's always easier to be vulnerable to, and to share when it's in the midst of other people sharing as well. And so I was like, how do I include um, other people's stories in this too? And so I had um, people from all over the internet send me photos of a letter that they had written to their parents that was just a one-liner, dear mom, dear dad, uh, dear parents, whatever. Um, and then something that they wish they could say, but never felt they could. And so I had all these photos of letters uh, some of them were like, I wish you had made amends to me when you got sober. Um, I, I wish that uh, you had loved me the way that I needed and just like various things. And to me, like that song was my letter to my dad. Um, and so, yeah, it was neat to be able to do that in collaboration. It certainly made it easier. It's not uh, easy to talk about your relationship to a parent that's not particularly great. Um, but my hope was in putting it out there that once again, you know, people um, would be able to resonate with that and maybe it would provide some sort of healing. But yeah, I, I highly encourage people to check out the video if that's something that interests them. It's a, a song that I'm very proud of. If there's anyone listening right now who's on the fence about listening to your music, um, what would you say to sway them? Mm, that's a great question. Um, I think that I would say, regardless of your story or your experience, I'm confident that in listening to my words, you will hear something that resonates with you um, and that you'll be surprised by how alike we are in a world where uh, it's really easy to focus on how different we are. Well said. Um, and thank that you. is just about all the time that we have for our chat today. Thank you again, Emmett Michael, for taking the time to talk with me today. Could you plug your socials and where people can find your music? Yeah, absolutely. So my music is on all platforms as Emmett Michael, Emmett with one T. And uh, my website has all of my socials linked on it. I am on Instagram and Facebook, all as Emmett Michael Music. Um, but my website is is emmettmichaelmusic.com. Uh, and if you would like to, you can sign up to my mailing list there. And that's how I let everybody know uh, when I'm putting out new music, when I have shows and all of that really fun yeah. stuff. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. Um, we will be hearing some no, of your you. music um, right after this.
So that was Gay Wire reporter Terrence Adams. Yeah, speaking with Edmonton folk singer Emmett Michael about all things queerness and spiritual exploration, storytelling, and gardening. Make sure to give Emmett's new album a listen. It's called I Hope You're Home. You can find that on whatever streaming platform you prefer. For updates on Emmett, you can find him on Instagram at Emmett Michael Music. So a couple of upcoming dates to keep an eye on. We mentioned it earlier, but every Friday on White Ave, the corner of 104th Street and White, a group of Edmonton 2S LGBTQ plus folk gather, da- gather to dance to drown out the hatred with love. We stopped by last week and we'll definitely be back in the future. If you want to join us, it's on the corner of 104th Street and White. Just follow the music and you'll find it. Also coming up is St. Albert Pride on September 18th. Out Loud St. Albert is going to be there, HIV Edmonton is going to be there, and it's going to be lit. Who knows, you might even run into some folks from Gaywire. Also, super important, voting day is coming up on Monday, September 20th, and early voting runs from September 10th to 13th. Make sure you know where your polling station is located, and if you haven't yet decided which party is right for you, you can always make sure their goals align with yours by using the CBC Vote Compass on votecompass.cbc.ca to find which candidate best represents you and your ideals. Thank you so much for listening. Today's show was produced by Shane Giles, Jao Victor Krieger, Asha Linda, Artemis Peasley, and myself, Terrence Adams. Gaywire is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in so-called Edmonton. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. You can find us online at gaywire.transistor.fm and on Facebook and Twitter at Gaywire and at Gaywire CJSR on Instagram and TikTok. Let us know what you think of the show. Hit up the DM sometime, or if you'd rather be fancy, you can also email gaywire at cjsr.com. And you never know, you just might get to be a part of the show. Our artwork is by Travis Erickson. Original music by Doug Hoyer and Catherine Hiltz. So until next week, keep it cheesy, keep it breezy, and make sure to stick around for the music. And please stay on the line.